0: Welcome to Terminal Talk.
1: Coming at you live from IBM's Technical University,
0: and we're we've got a bunch of firsts here today. Yeah, this is going to be the first client we're reviewing, mm-hmm. and the first time we've uh, allowed a business person <laughs> on the show. You know, usually we don't do that.
1: They're on probation, though.
0: Yeah, so I'm so grateful. So just remember this, uh, <laughs> Beth. If you screw this up, no business person ever, <laughs> ever is going to be allowed on the show. <laughs>
2: I'll give you my cell phone number at the end. I'm <laughs> not writing on this.
0: So we've got Beth and Navid from ATP Co, and they're going to tell us. Uh, start by telling us what the heck is ATP Co.
2: All right. So this is Beth Taylor. Um, ATP Co is the um, world's pricing and shopping data leader uh, in the airline industry. So we are owned by the sixteen largest airlines in the world, and we work on behalf of the airlines, on behalf of systems and technology providers, to aggregate and process data that results in your fare ticket. So if you're buying an airline ticket, if you're flying, it's very likely that data came through ATPCO.
1: That sounds like a lot of transactions. <laughs>
2: It is a lot of transactions. (laughs) We've actually had, I think, something like 10x in the last 20 years on our database. So we have about 170 million fares on the database at any one time and up to 4 million fare changes a day average.
1: Wow. What what do you think is responsible for that uptick? Is it literally just people flying more or is it more, like you said, the the fare changes?
2: Um, It's a little bit of both. So obviously people are flying more. Around the world, markets are becoming more mature. Um, But there's also a lot of different ways to get to an airline ticket at this point. Mm -hmm. Um, Whether you want first class, whether you want strawberries and champagne when you get on board. People ask for interesting things. And that all comes together while you're at the point of purchase. So um, the ancillary revenues coupled with the raw fare data, um, coupled with who you are, the personal data around you, all comes together into the fair price.
0: And looking on your webpage, it says that you guys do ecosystem around this. What does that mean, ecosystem?
2: So part of our role uh, within the industry is to lead the industry into the next generation of distribution. There are a lot of players in that ecosystem. There's a lot of old players. There's a lot of new players. There are companies that are three months old that are coming in ready to disrupt air travel and the way we buy tickets. There are big tech players like IBM who have a very um, specific kind of role to play in disrupting air travel. And so we work with everyone in order to do what's best for the ecosystem at large.
1: And uh, I feel like we're, uh, we're ignoring Naveed here. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> I'm used to it. <laughs> I'm an architect, so just people like me sit in the back of the room and
3: design stuff and then they go off and build it. <laughs> so, but I'll introduce myself. Uh, my name is Naveed Abbasi. I am ATP Co's uh, chief architect, and I've actually been with ATP Co for a very long time. I'm not going to say exactly how long. Uh-huh. Um, but, uh, but anyway, so I'm glad to be here today. Thank you guys for having us.
0: Well, this is cool because, you know, as a chief architect, you probably have a whole bunch of PCs, right, doing all this work for you, right?
3: Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah, I put put 40 million uh, or 4 million uh, transactions a day and one and a half billion uh, output records to the customers through a bunch of PCs. Absolutely. (laughs) That's what I trust them to. Um, so, so
0: how big is your mainframe footprint?
3: Uh, we actually have, uh, right now, our production mainframe is an IBM Z13 uh, 705. I want to say it's running somewhere right around 900-ish MSUs is the uh, size of it. We have actually, over the years, we've taken advantage of uh, a lot of the mainframe you know capabilities that IBM uh, presents to us where, You can procure the mainframe and, you know, have engines on it that are not initially turned on and then turn them on later. Um, We use the uh, CBU capabilities, capacity, you know, backup on demand for our disaster recovery purposes where we have a, you know, significantly lower cost mainframe at our our DR site. And we can turn it up to match the capabilities of it. We make use of a lot of your uh, offerings like your zip engine specialty processors. We use some... Uh, We make use of some of your um, special pricing capabilities like new workload, DRDA, you know, DB2 type workloads and stuff like that. So we have actually, over the years, when you guys uh, put out these, uh, you know, interesting capabilities on the Z platform, we try and look at them. And and oftentimes they make sense. And we go ahead and, you know, go forward and POC them and use them.
0: Kind of piggybacking off something Beth said, you guys take this technology and then bring it forward to your clients?
3: Yeah, so we um, when we build our systems, we've actually had a mainframe. I want to say since the 1970s. So we started out with a mainframe. And obviously, back in those days, uh, the way you used the mainframe was fa- fairly well defined, right? You had you know terminals, and and that's what you did. And and you know this is certainly not a bad thing. I mean, I, I think uh, everybody knows in the airline industry was one of the uh, first uses of large-scale, uh, you know, enterprise computing uh, in business and Saber, I think, was the right. original system. It was a, I think, a happenstance meeting between an IBM executive, American Airlines executive, on a flight, and yeah. they came up with the idea to build Saber, and that has put the airline industry on the very forefront of things like revenue management and. Uh, you know, market segmentation and so on and so forth. You were asking Beth about what what has caused fares to go from, you know, uh, uh, 110% growth or 400% growth, whatever it is, over the last 20 years. Part of it is the fact that the airline industry is so advanced in, in how they do market segmentation that they really are trying to get down to the point where they can do market segmentation down to, you know, what a ticket is uh, valued for an individual at any particular time under any particular circumstance. So that drives um, a lot of sophistication. It drives a lot of uh, uh, need to be able to put through data at a fairly quick pace. What quick pace means over the last, you know, 30 years, 40 years since we've uh, started using the IBM Z platform, as it's called now, uh, has really changed and so mm-hmm. what atpco has done is tried to we look at what the customer needs are and then we look at what the capabilities of not only the z platform but all you know latest and greatest computing platforms that are available to us and we have i would say over the last 10 15 years we've tried to do a best fit um strategy so you know uh i i hear from people who uh, you know to me I I would say it's actually misinformed. They talk about the fact that, you know, you're either mainframe or you're not. Well, no, that's not the case at all. We have a mainframe, we have servers, we have Linux, we have ZOS, we have Windows, we have all the above. And when I come up with a product or solution for my customers, I look at it and I go, this portion of the product or solution is a best fit for this platform and this platform and this platform, and we integrate them together. And the business transaction or product or service can traverse all of these platforms, gain the benefits that every platform, the strengths of every platform, and provide that product or service to the customer. So that's how we view the Z platform today. And I think we've done a pretty good job over the last, I would say, 15, 20 years of really um, helping the organization and working with IBM, of course, and our, our business partners, but trying to understand the, the things that the Z platform brings to the table and then integrate that with all of our other uh, technology assets and, and really, you know, provide that to our customers. Okay, you
0: opened this door, so now I'm gonna <laughs> we're going to go down. I mean, that that's awesome the way you just talked about it because, you know, although some people may think it's um, wrong to say, Z is not the perfect place for everything in the world. Right. Right. How? don't hit (laughs) me. I was just about to knock over a chair or something like that. But uh, can you kind of talk a little bit about the process that you go through to figure out that best fit?
3: Yeah, I mean, some of it um, is going to be fairly obvious, right? Let's talk about something like security as an example. We uh, at ATP, for a variety of uh, reasons tied to our products and services, we have to be PCI certified. Um, we are ISO 27001K, or I think whatever the security certifications, we maintain that certification um, and a few other industry certifications because we're dealing with, you know, pricing data, we're dealing with some sales data, we're dealing with a number of things that we need to make sure they're protected. So we use the Z platform as our kind of centralized security server platform. We use RACF running on IBM Z. Um, And so one of the things that we look at, as an example, we started many, many years ago, we started talking about when we brought in Linux and their security, you know, software and servers that can run there. You have uh, Microsoft platform with like Active Directory and so forth. All of them can serve as security servers. So we started looking at that and we're like, well, okay, our intentions, our aspirations are to always maintain and be able to tell our customers that we maintain security. We will protect your data under all circumstances and we'll make sure nothing bad ever happens to your data. So we started looking at it, and when you look at, for example, the Z platform and the security services that are available on the Z platform, I think you would have a hard time, if not an impossible time, trying to find one example or article or something of that platform actually having been breached due to the fault of the platform. Certainly, you can build a bad application on top of it, open a backdoor right. someplace, but due to the fault of the platform, you're just you know, not going to find that happening. Um, similar to, for example, our system of record database platform, which is DB2 running on, on ZOS, Right. I've been at ATP Co. since 1988, which is coming up on almost 30 years now. I think in the 30 years that I've been there, we've had maybe two or three DB2 outages that were actually the the fault of the DBMS platform itself or the Z platform. I mean, over 30 years, three instances is pretty remarkable. I, and that's I like out that of attitude, box. though, because yeah. uh,
1: yeah. I've gotten into customer shops where they've they've yelled at me for something that happened when I was literally four years old. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Like, sorry, I would have helped if I could. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but, you know, it's that kind of stuff. So you do the, the analysis and you look at it and go, I can get a tremendous amount of, of uh, computing capability and data integrity and, um, you know, uh, uh, services, replication services, you know, multi-site capability. So I get all those engineered out of the box. I can run my almost 1,000, you know, MSUs with a systems engineering staff of, Six people, seven people, where to run that kind of computing capacity on some of these you know distributed uh, type systems, it takes two to three times as many engineers, and you have to engineer a lot of that out of the box uh, the, the stuff that you get out of the box with the Z platform from IBM who's been working on it for you know forty years, fifty years, uh, you have to kind of engineer that either on your own or whatnot so and i 'm not saying that again, like you said, not everything is the best fit for the Z platform, but for all the things that I can Get use the Z-platform and get these benefits right out of the box and be practically guaranteed that they're going to work just as advertised, we go through that process and we look at it and go, I need this capability and I get it out of this platform, best fit. Okay, so that goes here. This other capability, for example, might go uh, on this other platform because of some of the capabilities that it has. But we look at the true deep capabilities of the platform itself.
0: Cool. So when we come out with something new, Um, Do you try to figure out, okay, how can I take advantage of this? Or is it more, okay, we need to do this. Um, Can the platform do that?
3: Um, I would say it's a little bit of both. But I will tell you, for example, when when a feature comes out on the Z platform, Um, And again, I'm not, you know, I I have, I I use the Z platform. I'm also the chief architect for all the other platforms. So I'm not here, you know, trying to advertise for IBM by any means. However, I will tell you that when when a vendor comes in on a variety of other technology platforms and says, hey, we just came up with this great idea and it'll do this. I will take that with many more grains of salt (laughs) than when Z comes in the door and says, hey, we just introduced this capability and it'll do this. When Z comes in the door and says we introduced the capability, for the most part, with just a few exceptions over the years here and there, for the most part, you can take it at face value because the Z platform tends to be very... Protective of that platform, and you guys tend to not put anything on the platform unless you really, really know that it works. And if that means some of the product, you know, some of the features and capabilities are delayed, you know, mm-hmm. I'm, I mean, over the years, I, it's gotten much, much better now. But over the years, for example, when WebSphere was available on Z and the, what is it, LUW platform, and then DB2 was available on Z, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of things would come out on the LUW platform first. And it would be six months, nine months, 12 months, whatever, before they came out on the Z platform. But by the time they came out on the Z platform, they were bulletproof. So, with the Z platform, when the capability comes out, we kind of take the capability at face value and then we look at it to see what uh, kind of uh, you know what what can it help us with on the business front we don't at atp co we don't chase technology for the sake of technology it's always being driven by what our our business needs are but generally when we go looking for a capability if it's on a z platform we f- we can skip a few of those preliminary steps of POCing a capability and making sure the vendor is not just huh. telling us something that we want to hear and so forth. So it gives us a little bit of a shortcut to to examine a capability.
2: And I'm glad you mentioned business needs because I've been the one coming in the door with uh, Navid asking him, "Hey, we're a big data company. I mean, we're a big data lake. We're a big data warehouse for um, for the aviation space." Mm-hmm. How are we thinking about cognitive computing? How are we thinking about blockchain? How are we thinking about supporting the major airlines all the way down to the smallest airlines, you know, pick an island in Fiji? Uh They run their data through us. What are we doing to support them, and can our infrastructure support it? And I think that's where him and I have a mutual uh, respect and and appreciation for what Z does for us in terms of what they do for us today and what they're going to do for us as the, the business evolves. So.
0: Um so, so Beth, do you, do you push uh Naveed to use cloud computing more or is is there a big push on the business side to to leverage cloud providers?
2: I mean my conversations with Naveed on cloud have always been it's kind of the way that HP co-operates, right? It is there's never gonna be a one-size fits-all, right? It is always gonna be hybrid. There's going to be instances, especially with global Airlines, where the data needs to sit, where the data is, right? Um, And so, I think the conversations around cloud have always been a a best fit scenario, not a "oh my gosh, we got to get on cloud," right? Or (laughs) you know, I think the whole, you know, I've been, I've been working in the in and around the cloud space for a long time, and some of it is hype, and at the end of the day, it's you know, most business transformational conversations things always la- land in a customized hybrid world so
1: yeah so when i when i think about the airline industry i think about there's it's it's a you make a mistake you end up in the papers and people are upset immediately i think about cutthroat high stress um that must be a, a really fun area to work in like how <laughs> ha- it is it as stressful as i'm imagining dealing with the airlines
2: i'd say in in the realm of big data right it's trust matters, right? They give us their data, and if we're not trusted with it, I mean, I've seen the, the percentage up times. I mean, it's it's incredible. You have, and I think there was one instance where I heard a story about an airline being down for an hour on uh, Black Friday, and think of the dollars lost, you know, at, at that point. So yeah, I mean, I guess it's probably more stressful for you, Naveed, than me, but... Um, <laughs> You know, I think I have a a deep appreciation for um, all of the. It's kind of like the people behind the people behind the people when you're flying that are making all of those systems work together in a seamless, almost instantaneous interaction.
1: Yeah, because so, cause if, if you know, before listening to this podcast, people might think that the airlines run all of their IT and might not understand that you know, there's there's a lot of companies and uh, efforts behind it. So it is. Well, Thankless job. That's the ecosystem Beth was talking about. That's the ecosystem. If
2: if you think about technology disruption and consumer expectations are changing, right? Like my daughter is going to want to buy a plane ticket off of her Alexa, right? And they know, hey, you know, this is so-and-so and and I know everything about your profile so I can deliver this customized thing. I mean – The different ways that people buy tickets around the world require network economics, and that's why ATPCO exists. It's very, very costly for you British Airways to set up a connection with every point of sale across the globe, and ultimately they want to be in as many um you know, kind of points of sale as possible, and that's why Tapico exists to make it easier and make it economically viable to do that.
1: Because it seems like every every credit card I have, every you know, any bank I've ever dealt with is now trying to sell me that dream vacation, which includes airfare. Is that is that you're doing?
2: No, no. <laughs> <laughs> I
1: wouldn't say it's directly our I mean, doing, but certainly you when the airlines, them, yeah. when the airlines
3: uh, and other uh, companies in that uh, ecosystem decide that they want to try and offer not just a a seat on an airplane but an actual experience Uh, you know it's a okay vacation great let me offer you some of these other things that go along with it or are you going on a business trip let me offer you these other things when they uh, decide to do those uh, sorts of things they do uh, on uh, when it's appropriate they do come to us and say hey we would like you to um, you know help us with this for example you know i 'm going to say this on the podcast I, I this may not make me a very popular person or ATPCO a very popular person, but when the airlines decided to charge for baggage fees, um they did come you know for bag ba- you know as you guys are familiar, if you travel for business, you know yep. nowadays you have to pay for bags right when they wanted to do that, they came to us and said, um, we would like to do this and and we need you to help us because really the those bag fees are just another price point, like Beth was mentioning earlier. Uh, where we distribute the price points. If you bought an airline ticket, there's a better than 85% chance anywhere in the world you bought it that it used ATP code data to do the ticket. Same kind of thing for baggage fees and uh, the the extras that you can buy. You right. know, book your seat up front. you want to buy a meal in advance? you want to buy a drink? You know, that kind of stuff. They come to us for help and those kinds of things. We don't decide that that is a good strategy for the airlines. The airlines do that on their own. Oh, yeah. Uh, because obviously they're competing organizations, and each of them has to do that on their own. So we really don't want to disseminate that information to anybody. Well, once an airline decides, I want to do this because this makes business sense to me, sometimes they'll come to us and they'll say, okay, now I need you to facilitate the distribution of the data necessary in order to make that happen. And that's what ATP goes all about.
0: So we, we won't blame you for the baggage fees. But we notice you're an enabler, yes, so. we are, <laughs> So are you guys though <laughs> so um, can i I just want to ask because it sounds like the way you're describing it is companies come to you and say, "We want to do this," and you say, "Here's how you do that." do you also are are you looking at at providing data for them to make their own decisions as well?
2: Yeah, so our our data does not just flow one way, right? So um, people give us, I mean people's uh, airlines give us their data and some of it's made public, some of it's private, privately held, and they'll buy back uh, data that we compute on their behalf because it just makes economic sense in the way that we put the pieces together, right? So if you think of all the raw data parts, I mentioned 170 million fares on the database, all of the data surrounding that 170 i mean you can put that together in an astronomical number of sequences so um so yes they'll buy it back um Hmm. there's other industries that buy data not surprisingly i mean you've seen this with cognitive uh, intelligence and machine learning data is power and so whether it's an investment bank an academic institution a government um you know, a a lot of online travel uh, points of sale, as you can imagine. Um, You know, it makes it very, very, it makes our value proposition very interesting um, outside of just the core business of airlines to sellers.
1: Because you know not only that a a ticket was purchased, but how it was purchased. And if somebody came to a bundle, what came first? What enticed someone to add something else?
2: Yeah, I mean, when someone gives a fair... A fair price of price there's rules around it right there's routings around it there's um all sorts of stipulations off of how that price can flow through the the supply chain and so um you know it it makes the art of distribution possible to have someone like a t p co acting as that network economic uh it's almost like the middle of the spider web right. People yeah, you're coming the broker. In, yeah, the broker. Actually, when I first met Navid, I started talking to him because I used to work in banking a long time. It's like the investment banks have the the SWIFT, you know, technology that they put the trades out on, and then private wealth will buy it, right? So very similar. Um, we help broker. I think we call call ourselves the honest broker because we're not in it for commercial gain. So being owned by. Uh, owned by airlines makes it so that we're not in it for profit. We're in it to make the whole industry run smoother.
0: So, you know, when I open my Ogden Airlines, in <laughs> Ogden, Utah, um, for the five people that I want to move around from Ogden. Um,
1: They're going directly from Ogden down to Bentonville, Arkansas? Exactly. Yeah.
0: Exactly. <laughs> um, then I can come to you guys and and, and do I pay into that or – how does how does that work?
2: Yeah, there, I mean, there's everything from the biggest subscription, which you can imagine the you know the major GDSs, the major um, uh, brokers, travel brokers like Expedia, Google. I mean, um, that's all the raw data, right? But there's a million different ways that we compute that data on on site um, or in our you know infrastructure services um, to give that out based on who you are and how you intend to use it. So you can get everything from, I think, last year our uh, we had a contract for $11, right? <laughs> so <laughs> you can imagine a very, very long tail. Um, I mean, I think this is just the nature of data in today's world, right? If you want to use it as an input into an algorithm that, you know, just requires one piece of, piece of that raw data, then, you know, you're welcome in our door anytime.
0: Now, have you guys started to create, APIs and do REST in this space.
3: Yeah, we're actually uh, we've had APIs for many, many years. Now I'm a. Obviously, I told you guys I started there in 1988. My first job was to hang tapes in a computer room, and that was the reels, right? <laughs> in the machine. Yeah. And, I remember I did that. <laughs> if it had a suction leak, the tape would yep. just go all over the place. <laughs> like, oh Lord, what happened? What am I going to do now? So anyway, um, uh, so when I talk about APIs, we've had APIs for a very long time. Now, today, there is a, I guess, a somewhat classic. Somebody decided to put a definition of what an API was on Wikipedia, and that's kind of the one that stuck. (laughs) So that's what people talk about. We've been doing APIs for many, many years. So And today, we continue to do that. However, uh, we are now investing in and building and have been for a few years on the more modern definition of APIs, uh, you know, EDIFACT and... And all those have been effectively their APIs, their system system right. APIs that have been around for many, many years, even FTPs in times. If it's an automated process where one system FTPs a file to another system and that system detects its arrival and picks it up and starts acting on it and then responds back, those are APIs. They're right. just not REST or SOAP or you know the classic right. definitions. But we certainly are now and have been for a number of years investing in building APIs that allow our customers to integrate our products and services in their more modern systems as well as continuing to support those traditional APIs that have served you know the industry for for many many years and that's actually kind of one of the cool things about the Z platform is it doesn't really care a lot of people associate <laughs> it with you know one thing but really if you dig into it it doesn't really matter it's just a fairly massive tightly you know well integrated fairly bulletproof out of the box, you get a whole lot of features and products and so on and so forth. Computer, yeah, just like every other computer that you can buy, but it has a lot of, I would say, non-functional requirements. Sorry, just hit your microphone. <laughs> it has a lot of non-functional, you know, features that get delivered to you out of the box. But you can do, we do it on that platform just like we do with any other platform. So, um, let me let me ask a, a somewhat of a
1: technical question here. Mm-hmm. So. Um, I'm, I'm a bit of a, a video gamer, I, you know, in a, from the classic stuff to the new stuff. Um, and there was this game called Contra back in the day.
2: I played Contra. Yeah.
1: So, and there was a code you could enter in the beginning to give yourself, mm. you know, 99 lives and invincibility and stuff. Yeah. Is there anything I can do like that when <laughs> booking my travel to make sure that I get that champagne and strawberries <laughs>
0: I want the that's, champagne and strawberries. Wait, that's-, that's your technical question. I was like, <laughs> yes. I like yes. oh, this guy's going to ask me something you. about. He's <laughs> going to want to know
3: something about the crypto facility or this that and the other. That's the technical question. No, we actually we ATP a- a- Co. Because if you think about it, we are almost like an electric cooperative in the center of a highly competitive uh, industry. And we're owned by our customers. We're owned by the airlines. So technically, we're a little bit of a monopoly. And secondly, if we don't do our job just right and make sure there are no such codes like the Contra game code <laughs> available to anybody. <laughs> w- why are you winking? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you the code afterwards. Okay, good, good, good. Not on the air, dummy. That's the best one they have at the bar. No. Um, but anyway, so uh, the, uh, we actually have to go very much out of our way. I think this came up earlier. You were talking about stress levels, for example. Right, yeah. We actually, and again, again I'm going to equate this to what you guys do on the Z platform. You guys sweat the details long before you put something out there. Oh, yeah. To make sure that when it's made available, a feature is made available on the Z platform, it does exactly what it says and there aren't any gotchas or loopholes or something like that. ATPco has to do the same thing with our products and, and services. Beth mentioned we refer to ourselves as the honest broker. I promise American Airlines that I will protect their data and I will make sure the data is not visible to another airline and and it's not just American Airlines that cares about that. The DOJ cares about that. And if I don't do my job, you know, we get a visit from the DOJ or the, the European Union Commission, you know, all that. So we actually have to go way out of our way to make sure that when we put products and services out there, we think through a lot of those, um, you know, scenarios. And we have to make sure that we cover all those bases and make sure that we continue to act uh, as that honest broker and protect the data and so on and so forth. So it's, you know, it's funny that you mentioned that, but we actually, uh, we you know, when new management comes into ATPCO, Beth went through this, you know, when she joined us. When new management comes into ATP Co. we actually kind of read them in on our, our consent decrees and, and uh, past legal situations that we've had to deal with. And so we have to be very careful. Careful, we have to make sure we absolutely protect our customers' data, we protect the, the privacy of the data, we protect the confidentiality of the data, and, and so on and so forth. So even if We make only, sure that doesn't happen. Right, even if they're only paying you $11. That's right. Yep.
0: It doesn't it, matter.
2: It's like a blockchain that gets all the way to us and then stops. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so you, you mentioned that the, the mainframe is a piece of your larger infrastructure. Mm-hmm. Um, what percentage of your workload Mm -hmm. is tied to the mainframe
3: actually i would tell you better than probably 80 85 percent of our workload touches the mainframe in some way shape or form some of that workload touches the mainframe more extensively uh, some of it uh in a lighter fashion but uh, for example i think i mentioned this earlier we use mainframe we use the z platform and rack f as our central security server. Hmm. Um, and we've been using it using kind of native uh, you know, RACF uh, APIs for a while. Uh, we're actually examining your ISAM product, or I, I don't know what it's called now. It used to be called ISAM. It's now <laughs> security <laughs> server for Z, whatever it is, right. uh, to uh, you know, kind of implement full LDAP uh, capabilities on the mainframe. Again, a lot of people, they talk about LDAP, 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 and they think the mainframe is some proprietary thing. No, there's a piece of software you can install and it'll put RACF and the mainframe frame as your complete and utter compatible LDAP server for your entire enterprise that's an LDAP server that nobody's ever going to be able to hack into so I like the fact that I can implement that LDAP server for my enterprise so the majority of our applications better than 85 90 percent just for their authentication purposes just to let somebody in and determine what roles and what data they have access to they're going to talk to RACF they don't know it uh, but behind the scenes that's what they're talking to so just in that capacity it's everywhere our, our um, uh, database of record for the majority of these systems that we've talked about is also db2 now we use best fit databases for analytics purposes this and that and the other where and db2 has a lot of those capabilities as well but sometimes you know some of the NoSQL sql database we have a graph database for example that we use uh, and whatnot so we do use them but again where it makes sense for them to come and get the data that they need uh, they will interface with db2 so but I would have to tell you, probably better than 80%, 85% of our, our products and services in some way, shape, or form uh, utilize some capability on the Z-platform.
0: So uh, let's pretend that tomorrow all of the the uh, airlines come to you with a big bucket of money mm-hmm. and they say, Naveed, go wild. Do whatever you want to do. Mm-hmm. What would be the next big technical thing that you would you would want to attack.
3: Well, uh, Beth brought up you know AI and cognitive, right? So we uh, and also I'm going to go back to what something else Beth said in the earlier the ecosystem that she was talking about. We don't just provide this data; we also provide products and services to our customers that allow them to do that really, really precise you know revenue management and and uh, market segmentation that the airlines are famous for. We provide products and services in that realm as well. We believe there's more that we can do in that arena. Um, But that's the more complicated stuff. That's the stuff that really, you know, makes it more difficult and and whatnot. I think there's a lot of room for us to advance in that area, and we have projects ongoing right now uh, where we're looking at that. But if somebody just offered us a, a huge bucket of money and said go crazy, I would suspect we would probably put the majority of it into AI, cognitive, and and see if we could develop better products and services to help the airlines make the decisions that then lead to them telling us, I want to increase this fare, decrease this fare, I want to charge this additional fee for this, I want to do this, I want to do this, whatever the case may be, we would probably go in that realm and, and sink a lot of it into that arena and see if we could come up with better products and services to help them make those decisions.
2: Yeah, it's interesting. It's like there's... Um applications of cognitive within ATPCO's business, and then there's applications within the people that buy our data's business and the airlines who buy our data back or are delivering their data to us with, again, a whole bunch of rules, routings, footnotes around it. Um, once you allow those processes to speak to each other without people involved, mm-hmm. um, it you know it's going to make the whole process much more seamless. It's going to make us... Um, You know, part of part of that ecosystem without all of the uh, the paperwork, if you will.
0: Um. Awesome. Well, I want to thank you, Beth and Navid, for this. This has been awesome. Uh, I think though we have to wrap up, right?
1: Yeah, we're uh, running a little short on uh, magnetic tape over here, so. It's going to start getting sucked into <laughs> the, that the yeah. suction theory. Did
3: the, the, the tape drive lose suction?
1: Yeah, I'm starting to see the, the,
3: the... I don't know. I, I can't even... Yeah. Remember, don't know yeah. It yeah. That's because you've never had to do it. Those no, of yeah, us have had no. to do it. <laughs> yeah, when that reel falls on the ground and starts rolling down the computer <laughs> floor, you're like, oh my God. What there you go. Do? That's what I was looking for. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, thank you
1: so much. This, is, uh, this has been fantastic. Um, uh, Any any websites or anything that we should be plugging for you guys?
2: Uh, Well, definitely ATP Co. In case
1: any airlines are listening
2: to this (laughs) podcast and want to... No, I I think the interesting thing is, so ATP Co. has recently rebranded itself, so we've been, um, we're a little-known, well-trusted secret within the aviation space, but like any big data player, there's a lot of different applications for that, so we're moving towards a, a broader service model for folks that are looking for data and looking to learn from it and apply it to their computing needs. Um, so anyway, hpco.net. come check us out. Or on LinkedIn, social, all that good stuff. Um, are, are you on the Twitter? We are on, are we on the Twitter. Twitter. Yes, we are. All right.
1: um, so are we. Yeah.
2: We should get connected.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and if you're listening to this and you want to get connected, you can reach out to us at Terminal Talk. We're also available via email. Uh, Contact at TerminalTalk.net.
0: And, of course, we're always listening to the mainframe subreddit, slash r slash mainframe. That's all we got, right? Yep. Old man Charlie, run us out. You've been listening to Terminal Talk with Frank and Jeff. For questions or comments, or if you have a topic you'd like to see covered on a future episode, direct all correspondence to contact at TerminalTalk.net. That's contact at TerminalTalk.net. Until the next time, I'm Charlie Lawrence signing off.